Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an April 27th Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer at a few places, Associated Press, Blazers Edge, just did something for Real GM, also former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have a wide variety of podcasts covering the NBA, NFL. We have your favorite teams covered. We are having the draft covered, the NFL draft, which is starting tonight. Uh, And and we got all the NFL teams covered. We have every NBA team covered. We have the playoffs covered. And, of course, we have your Portland Trailblazers covered on the Locked On Blazers podcast. Uh, Exit interviews were on Tuesday or Wednesday, or Tuesday, excuse me, after the uh, Blazers' season ended on Monday uh, in a 25-point loss to the Golden State Warriors, uh, who swept them 4-0. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of discussion about uh, where Portland is in the future. Uh, That was a lot of the discussion that Corbin Smith and I had uh, the night that the Blazers were swept, I think we both walked away feeling pretty positive about where the Blazers were at compared to where they were at, uh, you know, three months ago. Uh, it, it's pretty hard to complain about where they're at right now. Uh, compared compared to that, uh, and that was also kind of what I wrote for my piece for Real GM, and that was that the future is as bright as ever for this Blazers team. And even though their cap sheet is really bad, and I think a lot of people look to the cap sheet and just say, well, you know, they're they're done. But even though they do have that bad cap sheet, they found a center who they've needed. So they have a, a guy who they have to have finally in the middle they don't need to go chase, you know, like they had to, you know, the last year they were chasing Hassan Whiteside. Uh, they, you know, they brought in Festus Azili. They wanted to get Pau Gasol. They were looking all those places. They were just doing everything they possibly could to get a center who was skilled, could do things with the ball in his hands, 
and 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 make a difference on on both ends of the floor and they have that now in uh in Nurkic they they have that now and so to me they're in a even though they have no cap room and last year at this point they had all of the cap room in the world and Despite those two things, I think that they're in a better spot right now moving into the future because they finally have a third guy that you can point to and say, "Hey, that guy is part of our that guy's part of our core. This is our group and we have, you know, three guys that we can build around." And I know that Nurkic is still is still very young, but uh I really do believe in that, and I think the confidence that he shows to me, and in addition to the performances that he had to finish the season in those final twenty-one in those twenty-one games that he played with the Blazers, th- those are all great signs to me. And the way that they played during those twenty-one games is better basketball than they've played over the past two years. Uh, you know, they had a really good stretch uh, when they won 44 games and, and got the fifth seed last season. Um, they, they had a really nice stretch after Christmas, and, and in the in January they had a really nice run. But they were never quite, you know, they never looked quite this good and or as good as they did during that time. They were top five in net rating. They were, you know, one of the best offenses in the NBA. And I think, too, the impact that Nurkic brought to the Blazers was on offense as well. Because I know that with this Blazers team, the the conversation inevitably can always get dragged to what they don't do well on the defensive end, which is totally fair. However, one thing to remember is that before Nurkic got to Portland, the Blazers were 13th or 13th or something like that on offense. They were not an elite offensive team. They were average. They were closer to average than they were to elite. And that is not going to get it done. And that's not part of the formula, whatever the formula is. And so uh, I, I really think that Nurkic with his screen setting, his rolling, his ability to make plays, his unselfishness with the ball, and his ability to score, and and the fact that he gets to play with Lillard and McCollum, who are two of the best scoring guards in the league, you you know, that bodes well for next season. You know, the defense, we'll see about that. But to me, you're looking at an offense that could be in the top five next year, and if you can have a top five offense, you're going to be a playoff team and you're going to be there for a while. And so I'm not worried about this Blazers team not making the playoffs next year. I know their cap sheet is really bad, but you know, another part of that too is that they have a lot of guys on long-term deals that they need to get better. And I'm sure Neil Olshay will try to explore the trade market to uh, maybe move some of that salary around. I've, I, I think while, they would like having his perimeter shooting. I think a guy like Alan Crabb is uh, 
is probably the most tradable, even though he makes uh, he has quite a, a large deal himself. But you know, I look at uh, the team that signed him to the offer sheet, Brooklyn. They're not going anywhere anytime soon, and uh, it, it would make their life better probably if they had someone like Alan Crabb to be able to shoot threes because they're not going to get their picks. They're going to suck. Boston has all their picks until like 2019 or something. And so uh, there are going to be teams, I think, that are going to be interested in some of Portland's players, even if they're bad. Uh, I, I don't think that that's really an argument because there are bad teams in the NBA that could use people who shoot 44% from three in the regular season, like Alan Crabb does. And so uh, you know, he wants to be uh, – Crabb – I, I I think when he signed the offer sheet, obviously he was very excited about it, and uh, anybody would want you know a lot of people would like to have a bigger role, and I think Crab uh, could be in that position, and so, uh, but but that that's a candidate to move salary, and it's it's they can't move him until the summer uh, because he has a no trade clause for one year following the Blazers matching. So uh, we're not going to hear anything about any crab deals for a while if there is one, but uh, I think that's a guy that they could use to move salary. And I I really just think that when you have Lillard and McCollum, who already play so well with each other, then you throw in Nurkic, who plays so well off them, benefits from the space that those guys provide and the attention that those guys get to make his job really easy. I mean, he just... He catches the ball in the middle, makes plays against you know, uh, you know, in three on four situ or in four on three situations, and he's just really good at that, and and he has been really good at that as a Blazer, and so uh, you know a lot of uh, even in my piece for Real GM, you know, I talked about the impact that he made on the defensive end, where they were in defensive rating when he played. I think they were top ten in their three point percentage. The opponent three point percentage was down uh, during that time, but even if that doesn't necessarily sustain and that slips a little bit, to me, the thing that is going to continue to keep this team in the conversation for a few years and keep them as a playoff team and uh, a team that is going to be around and, and competitive for the next, uh, you know, four or five years is, or, you know, th- three, four years at least, uh is the offense and if everyone can stay healthy obviously is the key but uh the key to Portland being a successful team and being a a team that's going to hang around is going to be the offense and so while I I understand the conversation about defense and I understand that defense wins championships I'm not arguing against it but you need to be elite at one of the two at least to be a competitive team for a while and I don't think there's anything wrong with Portland being a competitive team that has a top five offense and, uh, you know, has an average defense that strives to be a top 10 defense. Like, I, it, would it be great to have top five in both and be like the Spurs and the Warriors? Yeah, but only the Spurs and the Warriors are like that. That's why they're the Spurs and the Warriors. So uh, I I think where Portland is is, is, is they're in a good spot despite the cap sheet. And, and I'm, I don't know, I'm more optimistic about uh, Portland's future in that regard uh, than uh, a few people. But uh, I, 
before we get into that, uh, I want to recap some of the important notes from exit interviews. I'm not going to have you listen to all of the exit interviews, uh, but I just think there were some important notes that came out of it. By the way, you can find those in a lot of places. I think Comcast Sportsnet has all the exits. Uh, Casey Holdall, Trailblazers.com uh, has all the edits as well, has all the the exit interviews as well. So if you want to go listen to all of those, not to say that there's no value in those, um, but so definitely go check those out because it is um, you know the last time we're going to see a lot of these guys uh, for a while. I mean, you know, we're not going to be hearing from them. Uh, that often that's one of the 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 things of exit interviews guys are are leaving for the summer and uh, a lot of them stay here um, but a lot of them won't stay here so uh, there were a lot of things talked about I think every blazer uh, that did talk talked about it being an up and down season which is uh, totally predictable that's what this season was. It was a major roller coaster uh, from the high expectations to start the season before the season began. Talk of potentially going to a Western Conference Finals. Uh, the first couple of weeks of the season, Damian Lillard getting MVP hype. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, lots of pressure, lots of money that the Blazers got paid. And, you know, that was one of the things that uh, Damian Lillard told reporters uh, or talked to reporters about was, you know, the effect that money has on performance. And while especially players want to say that the money doesn't matter, it, it's evident that it does, and Lillard talked about it and talked about how, you know, when you get the money, there's more attention from the outside, and then that could mess up, you know, your mental mind state that it's, you know, about trying to prove to other people what it's about instead of trying to prove it yourself. I'm paraphrasing Dame here from uh, uh, Joe Freeman's uh, report from Exit Interviews, which is uh, very good and kind of ties it all together in a bow over at Oregon Live, but... Uh, we talked about that at the year, you know, it's, it's not even, it's not even, uh, that like a conscious effort for, by them to not play hard or whatever. There is just a thing that you see sometimes that it, it just, it just happens. And it, and, uh, now I definitely think that that had something to do with it. Uh, There's really no way to say... You can't take it out of the equation and say it didn't matter because it was part of the equation no matter what. So uh, the Blazers didn't really shy away from that. At least Damian Lillard didn't shy away from that uh, that line of thinking. And it was was interesting to see that, especially from a player who normally, you know, they they usually don't go there talking about... uh, you know, the, the money that guys make and how that changes you. But it's it, it's impossible to not consider that. That's a real-life factor that enters into the basketball conversation. And so uh, to, to see Damian Lillard talk about that and cite that as maybe something that, you know, could have been uh, p- 
part of the reason why they 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 didn't succeed the way they wanted to this year. So, uh, really interesting stuff. And from from my perspective, it, it's good that Lillard said that because now it's it, it's in the air. It's it, it's out there, and now nobody is like you know they're not nobody is silent and 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 afraid to to talk about that and uh i think having that in the air and that knowledge from your team's leader you know may help kind of normalize that feeling to the point that normalize the feeling that you know maybe money does change you but then maybe get it to the point where maybe mm, i mean i think the hope is is that by next year that is just an accepted fact and they can go forward in trying to improve once again and and improve with the freedom of not having to continuously need to justify uh their contract and it can just be about getting better so uh i i think lillard talking about that i think is a first step in trying to get the team to not really think about that anymore because i think now that he said it it's in the air and they know. They know that it's on everybody's mind and they and, and people can't try and pretend like it doesn't matter anymore. So I, I think it was uh, interesting and I think ultimately good for, for the growth of the team for Lillard to talk about that and not to, you know, shy away from it. And, and Lillard continued uh, to go down this path uh, in the exit interviews, talking about how he wants to hold people accountable, hold people accountable more, uh, that maybe one of the problems for this Blazers team, which is something that I talked about a little bit in, in midseason when they were struggling, is that maybe they're too nice to each other. Uh, when I, comp- I, I compared them, the Blazers this season remind me a lot of the Houston Rockets from last season. And I said this on the podcast at the time, but the difference was was that... <laughs> Everybody on the Blazers was cool with each other, and then everybody on the Rockets was in their in their cliques with Harden or Dwight, and and they all hated each other. And you know there was no schism like that in the Blazers locker room, even before the the Plumlee trade. I mean, I think even the Plumlee trade may have been like the biggest schism at the time. And but but they but that was because they lost their guy. They weren't mad that they weren't mad at him, and and so. And, and they weren't mad at Nurkic either. It was just, <laughs> it, it, they were so, they got along so well. And uh, Lillard, again, mentioned that, uh, that that's something that they need to work on and something that maybe needs to change. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how they change that, what, how they go about that uh, in, in next season and, and how, you know, in what ways will that manifest itself? How will they keep each other accountable? How will Lillard set that tone? How will CJ McCollum set that tone? How are those two guys going to handle this team? And how are they going to lead them? And how is it going to be different? So I I, I think that's a a really interesting storyline moving forward is, you know, what they do uh, next season in, in trying to get that accountability. Uh, Noah Vonley, uh, 
mentioned also that Damian Lillard sent him a text around the All-Star break to saying that he needed him and that, you know, he kind of talked about that maybe inspiring him on, uh, you know, his his run to end the season. Obviously, Nurkic, had, I, I think, had a lot to do with that. They started together. Uh, Vonley's plus minus recovered uh, in a way that I, I could not have imagined uh, when Nurkic came. And he also played well without Nurkic on the floor as a small ball center. I think he really emerged in that role. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not quite validation for the Nicholas Batum trade. But uh, Vonley is giving you hope that maybe one day it will be. And so, uh, you know, it, we can't really judge that trade. Uh, I mean, we can. Right now, it's not a win, but if Vonley turns into a, a really solid contributor, uh, maybe and, and and a power forward that they can keep for the future, and small ball center, you know that's 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 fantastic. And so obviously, Vonley has a, a whole lot to go, but he got his first taste of the postseason this year, uh, and he had a really slow start to. The, the the playoffs and it kind of reminded me a little bit of his early you know his, his, how he kind of started his NBA career in general where he wasn't able to keep that focus throughout every possession and didn't really uh, quite grasp the value of every possession in the postseason but I think towards the end of it especially in that game three when he finished uh, he finished the game out there against the Warriors I thought that uh, he he really showed uh, some improvement. And the great thing about him is he's so young. I think he's still 21, maybe 22. I, I, I think he's still 21. Uh, and uh, I, I really think that he's going to continue to grow. And I, I, Al Farouk Aminu was the starter uh, this year at, uh, at Power Forward to start the season. Von Lay kind of took that over, and I... I, I think uh, a Vonley Nurkic frontcourt is, is something that we could see in the future and, and something that worked really well for the Blazers. Vonley and Nurkic were awesome together. So, uh, yeah, Noah Vonley did have, uh, I, I think, was one of the better stories this season and, and just 21 years old. He turns 22 in August. So uh, that, that's pretty good to have. I mean, to have two young bigs, Vonley seems to be turning a corner uh, Nurkic is, is going to need to heal and get healthy, but if you have those two guys, two guys who are 22, 23 at the time next year, it's a pretty good place to be, especially if if they're continuing to if they continue to improve as 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 Vonley did this year, and and obviously you want Nurkic to uh, build off what he did with the Blazers this year and I, most teammates uh, speaking of Nurkic said that Nurkic was the teammate that impressed them the most. And in pure, just very on brand Nurkic response, he says that he was not surprised. And this is a quote from Casey Holdall that I'm uh, quoting here uh, from the exit interviews. I'm coming from, a village with 200 houses. If I don't have the confidence, you're not going to believe in me. So Nurkic, of course, showing off that confidence, the confidence that I compared to Draymond Green's confidence in my piece for Real GM, uh, just showing it off again. I mean, the guy is not afraid to call his shot. And to me, more than anything, the stats, you know, top 10 defense, top five net rating, while he played 
that speaks for itself. But to me, something that you can't just eliminate from the picture about Nurkic that I think is very important, especially when you contrast it with, you know, the bigs that Portland has had recently, he's so very confident in his ability. You know, Ed Davis is probably the only Blazer that is as confident in what he can do. But Ed Davis can only do so much because he's he's not as big of a guy, uh, you know, not as offensively skilled. But but he has that confidence, and 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 that is something that the Blazers really need. The Blazers don't have, you know, Damian Lillard talks about it all the time that confidence is is the most important thing in the NBA because if you believe in yourself and if you really truly believe that nobody can stop you and that you're just as good as anybody, that is worth just as much as whatever it is that you can do on the court because if you don't have that confidence what you can do on the court doesn't matter and so that was one of the things that I really drew on for my real GM piece and it really was put into focus by watching Draymond Green and the confidence that he's plays with because here's Draymond Green a guy who is you know maybe six seven but he's playing center might be the best shot blocker help defender in the league and just is is going into every battle thinking he's going to win because he thinks he's going to. And to me, that confidence that Nurkic has is something the Blazers just haven't had uh, in a while from a starting center. And and uh, to him, and he followed up on that confidence uh, in, in the exit interviews. And I think that uh, to me, th- that confidence you know, on the Blazers, you know, I think Ed Davis kind of has it, but obviously the two guys that have it the most are CJ and Dame, and they need that, and I think that Nurkic has that, and he showed that again in exit interviews, and that's why I'm so positive about this team, is not only did they have nice stats in a short sample, but they have confidence in themselves in a way that I can't remember them having, especially with their center, and having these three guys, and and I think that that is, is very important, and while it's it's not it's pretty un- it's pretty hard to quantify Nurkic has it from what we've seen so far in his career. A uh, couple other notes from exit interviews. Uh, Terry Stotts, his job sounds like it's safe. It should be. He did. There's nothing that he did wrong this season. He did everything he could. Neil Olshay gave him a vote of confidence, saying that he did a great job. So uh, all things good to hear there that the. Uh, Seems like the Olshay, Stotts, Lillard triumvirate is going to stay. So uh, I, I, I think that's good. And and, I, and uh, I'm looking forward to this offseason because Portland has three draft picks. They could package those perhaps to get contracts off their books. Or they could use them to fill roster spots of guys that are going to you know not be on the roster next year. If they don't decide to re-sign uh, some, their, their non-guaranteed guys like Pat Connaughton, Tim Quarterman. Uh, they're not going to bring back Vestas Azili, which Olshay confirmed to the media on Tuesday, which we all knew, uh, but they officially confirmed it. But that's another roster spot for a potential draft pick. So, you know, Portland has a lot of options at their disposal, even though their cap sheet is bad. And uh, going to be a real interesting summer. You know, they have to be creative in what they do, but... Uh, I, I think that ultimately, you know, with their players, they're in a, uh, in a good spot and 
it's not the best spot to be in from a cap perspective, but guys like Crab have value. Uh, you know, it, 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 if they need to trade Myers Leonard, which you know it looks like, you know, he's the third center right now. Uh, so you know, I, I think that there there could be some takers there that are interested in that skill set offering Myers a change of scenery if need be, but Myers indicated his his desire to stay, and uh, you know, y- you need big men in the league, and he does have a, 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 a true skill, and uh, I, I, you know, the, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I, I think, he, you know, he talked about it on our podcast that he had a really, you know, obviously not being able to work out and play in the summer because of shoulder rehab, uh, but and, and he talked about on our podcast back in February around the trade deadline that he looked forward to going and just playing basketball this summer. So, uh, you know, he had a really rough season. A lot of people talked about his confidence and, and what he needs to do. And I think he just needs to play. And I, I think, you know, he'll he'll get a shot uh, to, to, to prove himself again uh, because, you know, he does have a, a really good skill. I think he's shown that he can be a good offensive player. And... Uh, but, but yeah, but right now, just looking at the depth chart for Portland with Von Ley kind of emerging, he's kind of the third center. But guys get hurt, you need players. And so, and, and I think that uh, you could do a lot worse than Myers. And I think that, you know, you look at elsewhere on the roster, speaking of center depth, you have Ed Davis, who is going to be in the last year of his contract and is the kind of guy that you could use on a team like Golden State or Cleveland or Houston or, uh, you know, any number of places where you could just use a guy that is just going to dedicate himself to rebounding. And as much as I love Ed Davis, I think he's another guy that's a candidate to be moved because there are three centers already in the fold that are younger than him. And, you know, Myers has a long-term deal. Von Ley is on his rookie deal still, and so is Nurkic. Uh, but, you know, the, the center position is, is very interesting for Portland. Uh in the off season, but you know, Myers Leonard talked about confidence, wanting to play and, and all that stuff. And so, uh, a big summer for him, uh, big summer, big, big summer for Myers Leonard. So, uh, and I, and I think just a big summer for everybody because the Blazers, as Neil Olshay said, they have to improve internally. If they want to improve as a unit, they have committed, their cap space for the foreseeable future to this group. And, you know, they have at least a, another half season before they have to start thinking about luxury tax and having to move guys and pairing picks with guys. And, uh, you know, Olshay is also has a great draft record and he has three picks. And even if they don't maybe package them at the draft to move up or package them with one of their contracts that they need to move, if he's going to use those picks and they turn into young, desirable prospects like, say, Will Barton, who, like they can package him or, or they can package him with someone else to, to maybe do a trade at midseason next year. And so that's another option is that they can take players in the draft, sign them, and then wait until they actually have to make a move in February uh, before they actually start hitting that luxury tax. And, and really, next year when they hit the luxury tax, that's not as bad as the luxury tax bill that they may have in 2019. So 
the 2018 luxury tax is a big deal and is a big moment for the Blazers. However, it's not as big as the 2019 one. So they really have basically one and a half more seasons uh, to figure out who's going to stay, who's going to go, and how they figure out the tax situation. They're not going to be able to sign free agents, but they're also going to have competent NBA players. So I think that's you know something to remember. And so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blazers. We'll continue breaking down the offseason. We'll look back at uh, the individual seasons of player, players on the Blazers and evaluate that, uh, evaluate everything that the Blazers did this season. So we will continue to have episodes of Locked On Blazers. We will not be posting as often as I mentioned on uh, the podcast after Monday's game, but appreciate the follow subscribe. We will keep this feed fresh for you. So don't worry. We'll also talk a lots of NBA playoffs, maybe things that we see what we learn that may apply to the Blazers and uh, you know, whole lots of stuff. So we're not going anywhere. Still lots of playoff basketball to be played that I want to talk about too. And so you're going to hear it from me. Uh, just, just as a warning, uh, I, uh, there's a couple big games tonight, Milwaukee, Toronto. I'm very excited about that. And, and, and San Antonio, Memphis as well. Uh, lots of great playoff series. It's a bummer that the Blazers were one of the two teams to get swept, but, uh, really enjoying this postseason. So we'll definitely talk about that. Keep on talking about the Blazers and, uh, review the season as it happens. So, Keep it locked on, Blazers. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast. We are.